Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Fundamentalist Podcast. My name is Elliot Morgan, and I'm here with Dr. Peter Rollins. Dr. Peter Rollins, how are you doing today? I'm doing fair. I like the fact that you always call me Dr. Peter Rollins. I love You're it. the I only person a, who does that. It's a fun, yeah. it's a nice, for people who've never heard the podcast, it's like, oh, who's this doctor? And it makes you sound like an expert, which you are. So it's a, okay, well, not a m- medical doctor. Yeah. In Europe, they just don't use the title very much. Really? They just don't really use it very much. I, don't th- I think probably in America, too. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I think it's kind of, yeah, isn't that one of those things? It's like you do it so then you can, when people do notice, you can be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so false humility. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's good. I I don't use it. I actually prefer just to, I can see your bonsai tree sticking out. Oh, yeah, I just bought it. It's very nice looking. I bought it and it came from Florida. Your neck of the woods. Were we living together when you were taking care of a bonsai tree? Or? Yeah, it didn't last long. That didn't last long. They're, they're hard to look after, you know. And then indoor, they don't do well indoors. Even the indoor ones don't really? do well indoors. Have you named it? No, not yet, actually. It's I really beautiful. Do. It's a really yeah. nice one. I love bonsai trees, but yeah, I, I've had a few, and they, you know, they, they last a year, and then and then they go. It, it's just it's hard, but it should it should last for you know it should last as long as a real tree, you know. Yeah. So well, hopefully. Best of luck. Um, Y'all, today we're doing an episode on happiness. Uh, Get ready. This is going to be a fun journey um, down memory lane, I guess, (laughs) from when we all used to remember such an idea of happiness. And uh, we've talked about happiness in general before. I think we tend to do it with a slightly uh, sardonic tone, a slightly uh, uh, ironic tone. Uh, And this particular episode, we are doing this in the morning as well. So this is going to be a slightly chilled out episode. Maybe not as high energy as you're used to us from a, you know. Because, yeah, we're very high energy crazy. usually. Yeah, yeah. crazy. Get crazy. ready. We're coming for you. Um, mm. But happiness, that is such an elusive, fickle little bitch, isn't it? Yeah. What do you think about it? Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> I tried talking as much as I could because <laughs> Pete was like, I got to get my head together on this one. And I was like, don't worry, I'll talk for a while so you can think of something. Yeah, listen, and you did it well. No I, one will notice. It's I perfect. ran. Oh, we can talk about Movie Movie Game too. Which oh, yeah. It, it will either still be available for being backed by the time this airs or it won't be but either way it should be available um either now or some months from now when we actually uh, get everything produced uh and that made you think about contradiction and all that fun stuff it's okay now yeah what let's dive in what do Very you got good. okay so i'll do my little spiel and then we'll see where it I goes i can't wait i love your yes. spiel so much well this is on my mind because i did a lecture on this yesterday it's on youtube if anybody wants to look at it. it's called against happiness how good does and his hair look, by the way, if you're watching? Oh, it? yeah, I, I got my hair cut. I did, a, I did a, even though there's no point in getting my hair cut because nope. I don't go out, uh, I decided to clean myself up. Yeah, you look nice. Yeah, Johnny was in good form. Did it make you happy? Uh, oh, that no. Okay. No, good. And, and, that's, and that's a good thing. So wait, I was thinking about this because I was watching some people on some Instagram stuff and the people here are very happy and present a lot of happiness. I was thinking about this because... You know, people ask, can you really be happy or for a long period of time? Is it really possible? And actually, I think it is. Um, I think it's possible to be happy and happy for prolonged periods of time. But in psychoanalysis, happiness is a category of fools, right? To, to, be, ha- it's a, to be happy is to compromise something. Sure. And so in psychoanalysis, there's this notion that you can be happy or you can not compromise your desire. Sure. You can't have both. And so... I did a talk on that. And the idea is this. Um, uh, there's a Jewish parable, I think, captures this about two guys who are arguing over some passages in the Torah, and they can't agree on what they mean, and they've been arguing for 20 years. And God gets so pissed off at this. Uh, he gets so impatient. He eventually says, I'm going to go down, and I'm going to tell them what it means. So Very the two nice. rabbis are in a park. And they're arguing, and God parts the clouds and says to the rabbis, I've listened to you guys argue for 20 years. Uh, This is getting too much. I'll tell you what the passage means. And the two rabbis turn to God and say, what right have you to come down here and tell us what it means? Clear off to heaven, let us argue about Mm -hmm. it, right? So in psychoanalytic terms, it's a great old parable. There's loads of old Jewish parables that are like have that same structure. Really, really nice. They're the first comedy writers. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's got a beautiful comedic mm-hmm. kind of dimension to it. Um, and so one way to understand the parable is that God is a symbol of happiness. The Torah, I don't want to get too deep because, well, we, like, we'll, get as, we'll get as deep as we why want. Why not? Yeah, why not? Right. The Torah represents language, signify, what's, the sign, what's called the signifying chi in a psychoanalysis. So it's a, it's, a, it's a bunch of meanings, a bunch of signifiers. And the rabbis can be seen to signify the subject, mm-hmm. right? So if you, 
in terms of signifying change, so the Torah, it's like as human beings, we're born into language, just like these rabbis define themselves in relation to the Torah, right? They're, two, they're both rabbis. They both embrace this discourse. But the signifiers create contradictions. They've got different interpretations. They argue and they fight about it. And then God comes in to reconcile the contradiction, to say there is no contradiction, here is the meaning. In other words, happiness always comes in to quieten down our symptoms, right? The symptom is a contradiction in our lives. And so happiness comes in, tries to get rid of the contradictions in our lives. And in the parable, the two rabbis refuse happiness. And instead, they choose the contradiction of desire. And so to, to, to nail this down, then, uh, we all, you know, in terms of the unconscious, and we talked about the unconscious before, one of the best ways to think about the unconscious is it's the language that is spoken within our speech. And we talked about that, I think, last week and the week before. Pops up in the... Pops up. Rears its head. Rears its head. So it's like when I'm speaking, I'm saying one thing, but also something else is being carried along in the right. meaning. I'm saying to somebody, I think you should break up with a person. And maybe you're wanting to break up with uh, some part of your life in your relationship or your job or something like that. So the second meaning is, is held within the first. And happiness is the attempt to avoid confronting the fact that our desire is conflictual, that we have multiple desires. We may have desire to love someone and we hate them, to be with someone and not to be with them, to go out and to stay in. Um, So we often do drugs and do uh, Okay, well, now you're just diving in. Now you're just throwing out outlandish uh, things. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but we often do a lot of things to try to avoid the contradiction of our desire, to try to, to find happiness, to find that peace. And the funny thing is addiction means addiction, which means without speech. So whenever someone is addicted to something, like alcoholism, it it brings them outside the symbolic, outside the realm of signifiers. So you're not addicted to alcohol or drugs or whatever you do if you're not using it to escape diction, to escape the symbolic, to escape language. Mm. But but if you have to escape the the, uh, contradiction of your own desire, then then it's addiction, right? Mm-hmm. You're addicted to something. So addiction, It's solving a problem. Yeah. yeah. So happiness is connected to addiction of some kind. It's, happiness is a desire to tame that, that fight. But here's the thing in psychoanalysis is actually we should listen to our contradictions. They're productive. So for the two rabbis, they're, it's productive of friendship. They're fighting every day, so mm-hmm. they're always relating and hanging out. It's productive of knowledge. They learn from each other through the argumentation, and it's produ- productive of vocation because they become better rabbis yeah. through the argumentation. So by not compromising their desire and telling happiness to leave, they are uh, probably in a more productive and potentially Im- interesting place. Are you using happiness <clears throat> in exchange with... Um uh, what is uh, satisfaction kind of synonymously like the satisfaction of yeah. the, the heavens opening and god being like here's the answer um yeah it, yeah it, wholeness completeness satisfaction yeah all of the above right. yeah it's yeah. like um not to just bring up the same point over and over again but we're all isolated mm-hmm. and i just do the same four things basically every day and i think about the same four things and one of those is of course this ufo problem that we have with with these little they're everywhere they're everywhere Mm -hmm. and um i was uh, i fell down a rabbit hole online and it was someone robert sheehan's got into ufo stuff by the way yeah robert yeah it's in the it's in the yeah um well literally it's (laughs) in the but uh it's multi-dimensional but uh where was i going with this oh it was about how they probably will never do a big um, reveal like there'll probably never be a big uh, moment where the government is like hey there's aliens yeah. it's just gonna keep com- becoming more and more am I gonna see one in the shop like in a shop one day just buying something is that it's gonna be very gradual like that they're gonna pop like, down and they're gonna actually go Pete this is what the meaning of Hegel was and you're gonna yeah. be like no get out of here I'm gonna <laughs> keep arguing uh, so you can get that satisfaction but um I was thinking about it and I was like oh yeah if they never like I don't want them I don't want there to be some if we find out that aliens are real and I know you don't you we differ <laughs> on this but listen 
if we find out aliens are real, I'm going to be so happy yeah. for like a day. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to be like, huh. uh-huh. it's going to be over as quick as it comes. And uh, I don't want them to do a big thing. I want to always kind of wonder if it's out there, even though I would be happy for a moment if uh, if it found out that they were oh, real. Oh, yes. So, the, so in other words. There's a link here. Yes, that's very good. <laughs> very <laughs> loose. <clears throat> But that's a good link. Yeah, you get enjoyment from the not having the knowledge, right? Yeah. Yes. And that's true. So pleasure is having something. Enjoyment is the the pleasure of not having that. The kind of the, the positive feeling of not having. There so you yes, go. UFOs give you a certain access to mystery. In a secular world, yes. UFOs give you an, an access to maybe a mystery that you don't otherwise have. Big other. Yeah. That mystery smell got into this cup. The disgusting smell? <laughs> Oh, there's this yeah. disgusting smell in my apartment. <laughs> I don't know what it is. And it's in the cup. Yeah, it's in the cup as if you poured it into the cup. Like if you had a bottle of the smell and you poured it in here. I'm wondering if it, I think what it is, is it's the ice from the freezer. I think the smell reached the freezer. My sm- mine smells fine. Smell my drink, okay. Pete. <laughs> yeah, let me Since we're on the subject of happiness. Oh, God. Right? Like, it's bad. Yeah, no, there's something wrong with that. Okay. Yeah, you should pour yourself a new one. All right, well, uh, can you vamp on happiness while Yeah, I, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I don't know what part to... <laughs> Guys, I'll be right back, but this is... It does smell like a literal dumpster in this drink right now. <laughs> I, don't, I think it's coming up through the trains. <clears throat> okay, so where did we stop off? We are talking... Oh, yeah, UFOs and the, the mystery... The access to the mystery. That... Yeah. <clears throat> Let Grandpa get seated here before we dive right back in. Yeah. There we go. We're back, everybody. We're back. Nice. I we tried to I tried to keep going while you were going to drink, but I just was. It, it was like watching the, the the training wheels get taken off and it just eats <laughs> <laughs> it eats dirt immediately. Uh, yeah. But truly, it's good because I start paying attention more to whether you can keep riffing than what you're actually saying. So that's for the best because yeah. I want to hear what you're saying as well. Yeah. But I like what you're saying then about the UFO thing is interesting. That's probably part of it is like it's access to a type of kind of pleasurable unknowing. Yeah, that, yeah. it adds a little something, you know. And yeah. also when, you, when you're living in absurd times like this, there's some people I think you can go very internal. You can get very like, I'm doing this and this. And then some people go outer and they look to the heavens and they go, oh, my gosh, what can what can uh what next yeah. or what's going to come down and solve all of our problems you see, and the uh, ufos thing. seem to be in the yeah but the the, here, here's here's if i like this is what i would like if ufos exist if the aliens are visited and they're all hanging out the best thing that could happen to us and this is actually very similar to um hegel's notion of christianity is that is that the aliens arrive they sit down with us we're all in the same room together and then they say okay, like you've been expecting us, you know, we're here and we just want you to know that we don't have a clue what's going on either. Yeah. That would be ideal because what happens is we think the big other is undivided, that they have the answer, that they can satisfy our questions. So when we discover that the big other is also divided, the big other also doesn't have the answers, then we become more satisfied in our own unknowing. So for example... It's not just us. Okay. So my ultimate, there would be Hegelian aliens who would arrive on Hegelians? Earth. Hegelians? Hegelian aliens. What did I say? No, you said Hegelian aliens. I'm combining them. Oh, yeah. Hegelians. He- oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's undeniable. Yeah, it actually works, yeah. <laughs> Hegelians. And they would come down and their great insight, their great salvatory um, g- gift to humanity would be to say, no, all of the universe is in the same divided state as you are. We're all divided creatures. Mm-hmm. So in other words, we have to embrace our yeah. contradictory nature. Ah, wonderful. So there you go. Well, back to happiness, though. <clears throat> now, yeah. so where, where is this? So you're, you got the happiness. You got the desire. Um, you don't want to lose one or the other. Mm. You want to be happy, but you also want to constantly be pining, constantly be working towards something. 
What do you yeah. do? What's the solution? Do you throw away your happiness the moment it pops up? You say, ah, no, can't get too satisfied. This reminds me, we're going to do a future episode, folks, on a band uh, called Weezer, all right? And I'm going to walk through. It's going to be a very me-centered episode. I was going to say we're going to lose people, but we're probably going to we lose more people doing things on Hegel than on Weezer. It's, <laughs> yeah. who, who could tell? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... Rivers went Cuomo uh, when he was writing an album called uh, Make Believe. He it was coming off a um, doing a bunch of albums. He was in a bad place, and the producer Rick Rubin uh, recommended he try meditation. And Rivers was concerned that if he meditated, he would lose that rock star um, quality about him that I guess he thinks he had or has. Uh, and he would lose his edge, essentially, and it would make his career, him becoming more inwardly peaceful, would destroy his ability to create good pop rock music. Yeah. And I think that there's uh, a little, uh, there's a connection there. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it, you know, I've experienced in stand-up comedy that I run out of material very quickly when I'm doing great in life. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's so boring. Uh, I, I got some ideas now that I'm working on that I'm pretty excited about if stand-up survives, but like it, it definitely takes a while because it's so, it's, you, it's so much easier to create, uh, at least in my experience out of, um, a lack than it is to create out of a surplus. Yeah. I mean, Socrates, when someone asked him advice about getting married, this guy, and he says, well, yeah, do. He says, cause if your if your wife is great, you'll be happy. And if she isn't, you'll become a philosopher. And That's great. That's, I agree. <laughs> um, so, yeah, here, by the way, on this meditation, let's go that direction for a second, and then, which is connected Great. to the happiness, is interestingly, in psychoanalysis, you can never meditate your way to the unconscious. Yeah. And the reason why you can never meditate your way to the unconscious is because the unconscious isn't within, isn't deep within you that you can shine a spotlight. It's what's on the surface, mm -hmm. always in the speech. So I, th I do think meditation is more closely connected with happiness and with calmness and, and that's kind of cool but confronting the unconscious is is the opposite it's confronting the fact that you are the two rabbis arguing it's confronting the fact that there are contradictory things going on in your everyday speech that you have to reconcile yourself to so if meditation can bring a contentment and a peace by uh, kind of going deeper, becoming higher consciousness, right? By improving your consciousness. Um, the contentment that comes from encountering the unconscious is a contentment that comes with enjoying the fact that there is always something that disturbs your consciousness. Mm -hmm. There's always another desire speaking in your dreams, in your, in your slips of the tongue, uh, speaking in the, on, in the words that you use. Um, I love it. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of uh, the late James Hillman wrote an essay called Peaks and Veils in which he talked about um, sort of the different directions that p things like analysis and things like life coaching and more uh, topical treatments have, have evolved. And basically, you know, if you go to uh, an analyst and they want to examine you, they want to dive into these things, they will probably not emphasize things like meditation. They will probably not mm -hmm. emphasize things like that. And if you go to the spiritual guru, the life coach, the meditation person, they're going to go, why are you diving into the analysis? Why are you doing this mm -hmm. sort of you know, drudging up all these dark things when you can just simply meditate and both of them uh, sort of side eye uh, the other. I think that you can do both and have a great time and just, yeah. you know, yeah. see what happens. But um, yeah, it is interesting that like it's people, I think, think of self-help and they think of becoming happy as this like linear like causal thing that you can plan for and you can go why am i not happy this this and this what can i do here i can do this this i can make a schedule i can become more blah blah, blah. all that stuff is great but it doesn't get to the deeper issues of stuff however sometimes the deeper issues of stuff aren't what you need in that moment yeah. sometimes i just need to have i just need to mark on my i need to have a more robust calendar uh to get me over the goalposts so i can then get back to the hard work of uh of self reflection and figuring out what's going on no absolutely but here's sort of the counter to this right this is my worry mm -hmm. but it's a, this is an empirical worry so we can test it to a certain extent is that if right if psychoanalysis is right that um and uh, they, that we are a type of 
there's a double inscription in our language. There is a type of unconscious destabilizing. There is a there is a contradiction at the heart of being, right? I if, mean, it has, it has to be. Yeah. It, yeah, I think so. But if it, but if it is, let's say, let's say if it isn't, right? If it isn't right, then meditation and kind of like addiction, which means things that you do to take you out of the symbolic into the Im imaginary. So when you take Molly or whatever, you kind of one. It's, it goes into a type of pre-symbolic, but you really just just go there. That's all you want. You want to escape mm -hmm. the contradictions. Sometimes you want a Big yeah. Mac, right? Yeah, exactly. But if if psychoanalysis is right, then if you get become addicted, as as and if if you really push that line, what will happen is a return of the repressed. You will. And this sounds paradoxical, but you'll find that violence erupts within peace movements, movements that are all about uh, loving everybody, being tolerant of everybody, will start to take on the, the, the texture of the most intolerant and violent kind of uh, communities. And you'll see it arising. Because in, in psychoanalysis, the only way to, to stop war, to stop the return of the repressed in a negative way, is to come to peace with your own conflict. If you try to silence the conflict, it becomes, it, it, it kind of becomes an uber violence. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. That's the um, worry. Dude, I'm going to be straight up with you, man. This year has, we've talked about this a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't, it hasn't been on a podcast, but how yeah. I'll kind of, I, have, I, I tend to operate with a certain like sincere malleability and certain things that I think and believe. And I think maybe at times it makes me come off flaky you're like i'm not thinking about these things but i truly do enjoy a certain amount of just like maybe this yeah. maybe that we'll see what you know whoever's paying you the most money exactly yeah. <laughs> and god it's a competition right now it's like everybody back off um i got too much but um the uh what was i, what was I saying oh I yeah this? you were going to say about i was saying about how this that if you go fully into this tolerance, yes, you become yes, intolerant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you yeah. probably know where I'm going yeah. with oh, this. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. Been, uh, I, try, I try to speak in very year. abstract ways, but let's bring it Oh, yeah, you speak yeah, in no. abstract ways that you know are unconsciously going to make, make me go, okay, there it is. Yeah, mm -hmm. basically, <laughs> I, I, my pendulum politically swings pretty to the left, but... Whew, man, people who really, really, really project their shit onto the other side um it it really it, i hate how universal it is like i do wish one team i felt like maybe did it less but like i don't know i've just seen this the uh the people who have espoused the most peaceful doctrines and the most peaceful uh, ide uh, uh ideologies have in my experience and i've seen this year uh a darkness, a very, very, very pervasive, sad darkness, and it's scary. It's uh, and it's sad. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, yeah the, oh, the basically the main for neurotic anyway, the main kind of aim of psychoanalysis is to help someone confront their the violences and contradictions that they are, because otherwise they erupt in hatred of others or hatred of a dimension of yourself, which is usually projected onto another or yeah. all of these. Yeah. It's just, it goes crazy. It's like me and, uh, what's his name? Um, that guy I hate. There's Jared. so many, there's so many of them. Let me get out the list. Yeah. Hold on. I have a note actually. So, yeah. Number... I mean, it's most of your friends. Mostly my friends. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I, dude, I was thinking about that. The phrase, um, you know that thing where people are like, if you don't like me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Yeah. Or if you don't like me at my saddest, you don't deserve me at my happiest. It was like a Marilyn Monroe thing. That's the biggest bullshit phrase that I've ever heard in my yeah. life. Because for starters, it is so much easier for me to be friends with my friends when they're going through rough times. Yeah, yeah. When they start going through good times, it's oh, a pain in the ass. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. And I've been on the I reverse. I hate to see my friends succeed. Oh, oh my God. And you know the amount of friends I used to have when I was sad? Oh my God. It was amazing. When now that I'm less sad, they're dropping like flies. It's yeah. Crazy. Yeah, so yeah. it's a very, I was having a fun with uh, Jared Kushner is who I was thinking of. The um, level not. of vitriol that I have for that man, uh, man, is, is not healthy, but he's almost like, I almost wonder too, if he's almost like a mascot, like he's just something that I enjoy hating kind of for fun because mm. he's like a piece of shit. But, um, yeah, I can totally understand too. The fact that my hatred of him is based in, uh, anyway, yeah. we've talked about this yeah. before, but I mean, you know, like the funny thing is, well, Sometimes people don't realize, although I think most people do, but is that that um, the very basis of fascism, the very one of the core tenets of of the psychology of fascism is 
what Hegel called the um, uh, what's it oh, the um, the pure gentle soul the gentle soul or gent- oh yeah um, um, perfect soul the uh, beautiful soul beautiful soul thank you so much the beautiful soul um, and the beautiful soul is the purity of of me or my community and therefore the impurity is is outside yeah. it's balance it's order it's the the other brings the imbalance the dirtiness the virus the whatever get it out. is yeah, yeah and we can get rid of them we can it's always ex- it's always outside of us that we can or inside the social body like a cancer that we can cut out of us and that is kind of at the core of like you know it's, there, there's a dimension of happiness in that there's a dimension of going I can get rid of the contradictions they're not within me you know that I can I can get to my true self who is without contradiction I can find that true self through meditation and <clears throat> and then and then what happens is you start to think that all of the bad is outside of you and um, that is the core of I mean if you read Mein Kampf it's just Hitler is obsessed with that that um, uh, metaphor it comes up all the time. Really? Yeah. The so metaphor of, of... Of purity, of the social body, with the, the, the Jewish figure of the Jew is yeah. the figure of the virus that's kind of like bringing, bringing something to the, 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 the healthy organism. I, um, I meant to text you uh, after I'd watched it, but I want you to check out a documentary called Hillbilly uh, on Apple TV. And it is so interesting because it basically is like Appalachian Mountain people, a documentary about them. And it's, I related to it because my family is quote unquote Southern. And I've always found it interesting that that when you are joking around with your friends and you want to say something that's like overtly dumb, you'll use a southern accent. Like you'll just be like, well, that's what I guess you know. And then it's a clue for people and everyone knows what it means. Yeah, it's funny because I laugh as soon as you do it. So that shows that it's a symbol that like you well, know, and it's that's not it, American. I know. It's, not, it, it's, it's funny. It's a funny. Uh, yeah. It's funny to talk that way. But um, this documentary was going through sort of the like a montage of all the ways that pop culture has instilled in us that to have a Southern accent, uh, to be from specifically the Appalachian mountains or be a hillbilly Mm -hmm. means that you're kind of an idiot and you're dirty and you're, um, sexually promiscuous. And they were going through all the old cartoons and like to just every, you know, sitcoms and every media that you can find, they, they basically have, um, have done this. And so it was a super, super interesting, um, documentary because it revealed it was like oh yeah it it is we i was like no what like we do we do do that we make fun of the the people who are like don't hurt people's feelings are that will be the first in line and i'm will be among them because i don't have a heart i guess but like we'll make fun of people who are have southern accents and we'll write them off as like being real dumb and you're like oh yeah no no wonder these people are just hateful or, or not hateful, but at least very exhausted by, uh, quote unquote, liberal elites yeah. and coastal. And you'll, yeah, and you'll find like at any time, generally in a unhealthy society, there will be an acceptable group of people to hate. And, and, and it will even be said to you that it's a loving thing to hate them. So it'll be, a, it's a weird double thing. It's like Orwellian double thing. There'll be a group will be picked out. It's acceptable to hate them. And not even acceptable to hate them. It will be seen as the loving thing to do mm-hmm. it will be a, the caring thing to do um and it's funny because you can always the the last group who were who had that position of the scapegoat um you know in the previous generation uh you, you kind of still defend them even though that group might not have that place and then you go and then you attack the current one as being moral and then the next generation will see that as immoral but they'll have their group that it's morally right to to hate so basically i can't wait for it to be people i can't wait for la uh to be like all right guys it's time to stop making fun of people from the south that's oh, yeah. inappropriate i will yeah. i will it'll blow my mind if yeah. that ever happens because it seems to be a mainstay um it's all it's, yeah. i don't know if it's if it's switching or if it's just the last remaining yeah like pawn on the chessboard to you know this is our intellectual no idea how to play it. We play drafts with it. Absolutely. I yeah. watched Queen's Gambit. It, it didn't learn a thing. <laughs> well, was it any good? Well, now we're actually getting into controversial territory. I didn't okay. like it that much. All right. Okay. But I, I, I do think it's great. I do think it's great. Right. 
I mean, it didn't sound that good to me, but I just, but, but I just, I saw it, it came up on my Netflix and um, I was like, oh, okay. Cause I like chess. I was, but I, but you it, can see when you watch it, why people I think really, really like love it. It's, 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 it, it is good and it's well made. Um, yeah. I would watch Hillbilly though. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, if you yeah, get a chance, because yeah. I, I want to spoil something in the end. I, and if you all haven't seen it, I, I do recommend it, but I do want to, I do want to talk about the, I'm going to talk about the ending. All okay. right. You guys, if you want to watch it, watch it because keep an eye out for this. I think it is the most fascinating thing, but like the documentary is made by this, um, Los Angeles girl who was from Kentucky, who, who grew up in the Appalachian mountains and she went to college and she became, um, you know, a very loud and proud Hillary supporter, feminist filmmaker who also loved her family and also wanted them to not, um, you know, uh, come off, poorly and saw that these people have been really ostracized. Like it's super fascinating. Like the, the Appalachians like isn't defined on the map. No one really knows what it means. If, and if they say they are from there, it sort of makes people write them off. It's really, really interesting. And, um, the last scene though, and I don't even know, dude, if this was like, I, I, I want to try to get this out correctly. This girl is talking to her grandma. Now, you know how sometimes you see people on camera and you're like, that's not good that's a bad one. I don't get a good impression from this person. Now this older woman, I got that impression from, I was like, there's something off or something like a, um, very, very dark thing in this person, very deep seated little thing. My own projection aside, I was like, it caught me off. I was like, I don't know about this. This person seems almost like a dick. You would describe him almost as a dick. Little old lady. The end of it, it was like, I don't even know if the filmmaker knew what she had when she put it out. Cause I don't know that she would, but it came off as though the filmmaker, the girl, I don't know how to describe this exactly. She was so nice to her and she almost, and she kept using really, really big words, like really fancy. I would say fancy kind of psycho babble almost mm-hmm. kind of like how we talk, yeah. <laughs> but like she'd used it, you know, on this, this old lady, and she is talking to her, and she goes, so they're going through pictures, and she's like, yeah, so you never got to leave, you never got to leave town, huh? You never got to leave town? Goes, no, I never got to leave town. Oh, yeah. Okay, so in a way, it's like I, like, my mom had me, and, like, it's like I'm living your dream because I, I'm traveling and doing, like, like, filmmaking. And she was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. But something in it came off like one of the meanest. <laughs> it seemed like she was just making this poor woman <laughs> who I didn't like from the get go. But yeah. I was like, this girl just pulled out a conversational like Uzi and was just like, yeah, it was just like, look at how happy I am. And you're not happy because you're stuck in this town and you're going to forever be stuck in this town. And it came off like an unconscious attack uh, yeah. of this, this woman. And I don't think she intended for it to, but it's super yeah. interesting. If you get a chance to check yeah, it out and fun, she, yeah. and by and large, it's a very good documentary. Yeah. But uh, that one last moment, I was like, there's too much. There's almost like a vengeance happening here that where it's like, she's just articulating point by point. Like, wow, you must just be miserable. You must just hate. You must, it must be so cool for you to know that I got to like leave. And I was like, ah, oh, this comes off so, so like, like, yeah. Uh, sounds awful. Well, this is, this is, this is a good anecdote to anybody or, uh, not anecdote, but, um, antidote? antidote, antidote. That's what I wanted to say to anybody who kind of comes across like that, because, in psychoanalysis, it's great if someone's happy and you go, great, but um, it's the category of fools. So Slavoj Zizek says, you know, happiness is the category of a fool. Um, you can just get by, you silence your contradictory desires, you go along life, you try to fulfill your dreams. Um, but there are some people who often are forced into it, but to confront the contradiction that they mm-hmm. are, to realize that, um, that actually the, the meat and the enjoyment of life is in the struggle of life and in the contradiction itself. And that that's not a happy place to be, but it's a much deeper and more interesting place to be. So let people be happy. I, I see it on Instagram. People, there are lots of people I know are happy. And that's fantastic. But, um, but, but it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. It is yeah. a pain in the ass. And, and, and it happens to us all at times. There's times in our lives and where things are just nice and happy, but the real meat of life is whenever you do what Lacan says, he says, don't compromise your desire, mm-hmm. which partly means 
don't silence one part of your desire realize that you love and hate that you want to stay and go realize that you want to speak and stay silent realize this and let that argument uh, manifest in your life and be productive in your existence and it will sometimes lead to pain and you'll do difficult things but it will also lead to at a greater experience of depth ah oh, it's beautiful yeah i love that what a good little moral here on the fundamentalists mm. podcast which you can subscribe to on itunes as well as spotify as well as over here at youtube.com wow. slash elliot morgan uh, if you would like to know more about pete you can go to patreon.com slash peter rollins <laughs> and if you would like a game that will actually uh, incite a contradiction within you. Oh yeah! Check out movie, movie game. What are your thoughts there? Bro? I wanted to say because I was doing this. Uh, talk how much yesterday. money I had to pay him to, to yeah. get him to talk about this? My Took God. a lot. Well, see, movie, movie. I just realized um, it's a really nice analogy for this kind of idea. So the the fact that you can kind of like take uh, a synopsis that is actually the amalgamation of a, of two contradictory, two different movies. Mm -hmm and you bring them together, that's a perfect example of a symptom. That is it, like movie, movie is an, a perfect analogy for what a symptom is. And the fact that it's an enjoyable game, that you have fun with it, is the idea of enjoying the contradiction. And what, what the psychoanalysis is called enjoying your symptom, where instead of trying to get rid of your contradictions, you enjoy them, they become productive. Thank you, man. So there you go. That's yeah. so nice. That's honestly, you just gave words to what I've been trying for a year and a half to put words to about why movie movie game works. I know it's something, <laughs> but I don't, I can't figure out what it is. And uh, yeah, it is exactly that. And, and the, the, the satisfaction of your brain, even if it's just on like a neuro pathway, way of of combining the titles really does uh, work very well that's how come you know we do like okay and this is probably more information than people need but in the valley book we you know you you sometimes you operate from a we're on we we have an underdog uh persona and stuff yeah but you i think describe a movie movie game that way i think also helps me understand when i look at movie movie game and i go okay this is actually like I believe a million dollar idea. I think Joe came up with something incredibly genius and I think it's, it, it functions in a way that's like, so, uh, anyone can enjoy it even if yeah. you don't know movies very well. And I'm not trying, I'm truly not trying to pitch it. I'm just trying to explain why I do think it is a quote million dollar idea. Uh, and so for me, when all this stuff is happening or promoting it, I'm always just like, yes, yeah, it's just not, it's not, it's, it's still, it still needs to take off. It still needs to take off. And I think it will, I think it'll take production and getting it off the board, but I've, uh, I'm confident that it has legs because, yeah, it functions that way. It, yeah. it does make your your, your uh, the two contradictory things come together. You hear one part, you hear the other part. You know that the title works together in some way. It's wonderful. Yeah, and it's honestly enjoyable. Do you, do you, by the way, do you know any in your head right now you could do to me? I, I could, have that over there if you need to look Do you at. have deck? Yeah, deck? the deck underneath the, the, the banana holder. Uh, it's uh, it's well, over there. I'll get, I'll get it. No, I'm not. I can watch this. Okay. Watch this, Pete. Now, knowing that I don't know any pop culture, so unless it's uh, Jaws and Coldplay, um, I'm... After trouble. a soldier's three bros are killed in combat, a World War II captain leads his men behind the lines of the Shimmer, only to be confronted by a super weird zombie bear and a freaky Slender Man thing. Right, so, right, so it's a uh, awakening... Arrival? No, it's awakening. It's it's. You're close. You're close, but you're off. No, off. I I know the movie because I it's so it's the and it's the shit. It's uh, they go into the alien area and what's that called? That's a so the second half is called awakening. Close. It's not awakening. I know why you're thinking that, but you're the right there. Oh, it's um and the first part I was thinking of uh so World War Two movie. There's that one where they, they land on the beaches at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. and one of the most brutal scenes of all time. Yeah, I know it. And it's Steven Spielberg directed it. And it's Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Ryan There you saving go. Saving Private Ryan Annihilation. <laughs> See, it works, oh, right? Wow, I got there. I did it. And oh. right at the in the middle, you actually sounded like the zombie bear from the movie. Have you guys seen Annihilation? That's a crazy movie. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. Uh, yeah, it's satisfying from top to bottom. There's yeah. nothing. Uh, there's nothing not satisfying about it. So, anyway, 
So this this whole episode is for people who want to feel superior when their friends are really happy. There you go. You can feel <laughs> they go like, oh, you've chosen happiness. That's great. That's the category of fools. Mm-hmm. Uh, you haven't yet had the courage to confront the contradiction of your desire. Yeah, um, like you're happy. Yeah. It's, you're just happy because you're just not as strong and cool as the rest of us are. Because yeah. you're going around gallivanting and being all hunky-dory. I don't know, man. I just get happy, and then I find something to be angry about. That's my trick out of it. Yeah. And it'll yeah. be anything. It would yeah. be that somebody cuts me off in traffic, somebody says something online, something really innocuous, and I just get super pissed off at them, and I scream, and I scream, and I scream. Yeah. See, that's I don't the know. thing. Maybe I've just muted. I think I've just yeah. been muted this year. I've muted my entire psyche into now I'm a four instead of a 52. What's a four? Volume. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. I should have said that. Yeah. But see, because here's the thing, like the thing is you are in a good place, right? Life has been, you know, I think I mean, it's like, so I'm very lucky. Yes. However, and the big however huh? is the, the unconscious is always there. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> however, a big disaster is coming. Um, the disaster is already here. That, so there's a there's an idea when talks about of the fear of breakdown. So some people are terrified of a breakdown. So they're terrified of a breakup because they feel they're going to fall apart or they're terrified of losing their job or they go to sleep and there's a terror of a, of a possible loss of all self, right? So this is called, you know, fear of breakdown. If I don't have this, I'm yeah. nothing. Yes. Therefore, yeah. I am all this and or, this well, is or, all there is. No, but, or something's coming. Yes, oh. yes, something's coming. Yes. It's going to be disaster. Well, yeah. yeah. But Winnicott, in a, a really interesting arc, article, um, talks about how actually the the fear of the trauma that's to come is the fear of a trauma that has already happened, um, but you just haven't subjectivized it. So actually, when people, are, when people are terrified of a breakdown, what you discover when you talk to them is it's actually the breakdown has already happened, maybe when they were very young, but it wasn't, they weren't able to put it into language. They weren't able to work it through. And so they're afraid of an apocalypse that has already occurred. Mm. And, and, and that is a good analogy for kind of the unconscious like it's not that some disaster is going to happen but there's disaster is already interweaved with our lives so the unconscious is always speaking in psychoanalysis the notion is even when you're at your happiest there are contradictory desires even when things are all going well there is there is some dimension um that is speaking in an opposed way mm-hmm. and the point is to always be sensitive to that and you you know you're exploring um obviously and studying now like um analytic theory and depth psychology but also in an effort to give structure yes like in recognizing i don't even know if i recognize it consciously but i there was definitely a part of me that was like i i need something to tether to yeah. a little bit because yeah. things get a little chaotic but um yeah but, it, but like when you're when you're looking at someone like Jung, like early Jung, and i think probably later Jung, but but it has that analytic notion of there is always this other that speaks, uh-huh. this other that speaks. and it, Man it is an enigma to himself. Yes, absolutely. And, and you can't get rid of that other voice. You just have to make space for it. Yeah. And that's the key is are, are, am I making space for this other that speaks? Uh-huh. The, 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 the other's desire that's within me. The other's desire might be my mother's desire, my father's desire, my whatever whatever other desires that I've internalized that, that are in me, they're mine, but they're not mine. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, well, it's amazing the schizophrenic nature that we all kind of just have and we just don't talk about it. Yeah. It's like, we're all like, oh, where is the kid? I mean, that's kind of the moral of most of this stuff, right? We're not the captains of our own ship all the time. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's a, a cool thing to think about, but it is... Uh, trips you up every once in a while it also can i think become in and of itself a cop-out if you start just going oh this is just an unconscious this and unconscious that i think the unconscious can become its own sort of uh yeah um, yeah it becomes the escape from just everyday life and not engaging fully with what's going on but you know you. you know by the way why this is very christmassy this episode because christmas is not about happiness it's about contradiction the whole the whole um metaphor of the of Elves. christmas is the god santa. infant what's that <laughs> santa santa <laughs> and, the elves, yeah. and it's impossible for them to go around the world that quick <laughs> yes because how can it happen um no is the the monstrous notion of the infinite and the finite the temporal and the eternal cl- clashing in the in the fleshy Dude. frame of an infant christmas 
is straight up the dopest holiday <laughs> in the world. And the idea of the birth of Christ to this day is one of the coolest things in the world. <laughs> that it was done in a barn surrounded by poo uh, or cave, whatever. <laughs> um, and it, it was symbolic of God becoming man uh, and walking among us. I don't know. I just think it's the coolest thing. And it's such a beautiful story that there's nothing in me that at this point, I'm just like, all right, I guess I just love Christmas yeah. and there's nothing we can do about it. No, but you're right. It is contradicting and it is important. And it also shaped who we are, whether or not you ascribe to it literally or metaphorically or whatever. We were born into a world created by a belief system that was built on this idea of a little baby in a manger. And I think yeah. that's very cool. But for Hegel, he, he liked the metaphor because he said it is absurd. And Kierkegaard as well, he said yeah. it is absurd. And there's, a, and there's a truth to it. And it was Freud who helps us understand what yeah. that is, which is that contradiction is, not, is, not, is absurd, but it's not impossible. A contradiction is part of reality. We see it in physics with wave-particle duality, mathematics with incompleteness theorem, mm -hmm. biology with evolution, da-da-da-da-da. But we see contradiction as inherent to reality. And what better image of that than the monstrous image of the god infant? It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all beautiful. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. It also, the apologist thing, I uh, did do a short paper on um, Christian apologetics. Did you? Uh, it was very fun. Yeah. You, oh, wow. <laughs> it was about the um, sort of the, you know, uh, scientific revolution happened. And then there's this people who obviously apologetics have been around for a very long time, but I think it was done slightly differently before the scientific revolution. And mm -hmm. then the, in an effort to be as rational as possible, Christian apologetics, I think robs like, you know, Christianity yeah, yeah. of the, the contradiction and the well, mystery. That's, and that's the precisely why I said that the, you're hitting the nail on the head is that interesting. Apologetics is inherently connected to the, um, exclusion or the excavation or sorry the evacuation of contradiction mm -hmm. so whenever you look at it it's like it's very much about trying to yeah. render religion uh, non-absurd exactly which is what Kierkegaard rejected imagine a yeah. world in which your religion that, that you think sends you to an eternal heaven makes sense that's mm -hmm. crazy yeah that's but a that's nuts happiness. thing it's, it's, the re it's the reduction of, of religion as a, a confrontation with the contradiction to happiness to religion mm -hmm. is happiness which is you can go to a place of perfect peace where con all contradiction is gone a place of addiction without uh, being part of the symbolic yeah. yeah yeah i mean what more proof do you need than like if it had any effect on like our uh religious impulses wouldn't every christian be a christian apologet apologist like wouldn't every uh devote devout or devoted Christian know ever, through and through everything that the apologetics say. And the fact that they don't almost makes you wonder if they're like, no, we don't even want to know any of that stuff. Oh, we yeah. want to hold something in them wants to hold that contradiction without it being explained through yeah. some loopy, loopy logic. And, we do, and Nietzsche, the reason why Nietzsche thought Christianity and alcoholism were the same is because no. he saw, he saw confessional Christianity as ultimately an attempt to reject this, contradictory dimension mm -hmm. and he's right like that's what it is in its confessional existing form but um but yeah it's just like alcoholism is like you kind of want to try and get rid of that contradiction but but if if psychoanalysis is right then we are the two rabbis and we need to just accept that part of ourselves and if I've been we doing don't that for years. we'll become violent we'll mm -hmm. destroy ourselves and last week we talked about that paradox of aliens and why it seems like there's not at least much as much life in the universe as we'd expect and one of them is potentially because when we become creatures of language, we become creatures of contradiction, and creatures of contradiction tend to self-destruct. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't, uh, I don't know. Unless we come to terms with it. I don't think so. Yeah, but you know that doesn't mean no one lasts. I mean, there must be something out there. You I know? think language came about as a result of evolution, Pete. I love that. I hope every episode for the next couple of months is just me ending trying to defend the idea of aliens somewhere like it really mad like i'm gonna get i still have to watch i'm gonna shit on apologetics and then be like i'll tell you why aliens are 100 percent rationally real 
I mean, it's definitely like, yeah, it's definitely possible. It's just, um, uh, what's the show called you want me to watch? The Phenomenon? The Phenomenon. The what phenomenon. are you doing? Yeah, you got to watch it. Um, well, you got any takeaways? Uh, let's see. Takeaways, takeaways, happiness, desire. Mm, I think everyone should try a little bit of analysis, a little bit of psychoanalysis. Do something that is at least someone who acknowledges the power of the unconscious. That seems like a good idea at some point. Yeah. Because it does seem like, uh, I don't know, batting down the hatches a little bit. And I, I don't know that I necessarily think there's some big apocalypse coming, but... You know, take care of yourself, I think. And also, I would say, we might not be living in the worst time to focus on being happy rather than focusing on your desires. <laughs> yep. All right. Okay. We're going to have a lot. <laughs> There's a lot going on, so I say grab the happiness where you can. But that's all just fluff. You know? This is this is why we're good together, because I think you're a little bit more sympathetic to happiness than I am. I am. And that's, and that's okay. But my takeaway would be that there are therapies um, that are designed to help you, to help optimize your life to help you achieve your dreams, to help you be um, able to um, grasp what you want. And I would, there, and then there is a type of analysis that is designed to uh, not optimize your life, but rather to confront you with the contradictions that you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is potentially a good thing to do. And you have to life. go like three times a week and it costs like 200 bucks a session. So, <laughs> and you have to yeah. sit on a couch and you can't make yeah. eye contact with them. Or you can listen to the fundamentalists. Transference Oh God. Yeah, you can do it. Just, yeah, but the expensive way is expensive. But it's like... <laughs> it's the most like expensive yeah. therapy you could possibly do. Oh, you or you can, I've got a tip for you. I've got a tip for you if you want to do it. You can do it anywhere in the world now. I thought you so, were about to plug your own Patreon. That <laughs> could have been a really smart move. <laughs> you could st- sign up to my triple diamond level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your you enlightenment know, level. The, here's the trick. It's, but it's like, because you can do analysis, obviously, on Zoom and stuff, and especially with COVID. Actually, you could find an analyst somewhere that's in a cheap part of the world who is half the price of someone in a major city like LA and New York. And you can get analysis with someone who's just as good, uh, world-class, for a third of the price. Yeah, and you know what? I would add to that because I think it it presupposes – here's the pitch for it. I don't think we ever really pitched doing psychoanalysis. Yeah, it's the first time ever. It's just because you made a joke about Um, it. I thought I would. Yeah, yeah, but I would say that there is something, whether or not it's strict psychoanalysis, I personally don't really Mm -hmm. care, but I do think that you should be very careful about – who you choose, but there is a series of discoveries that can happen uh, about the way you operate in the world that on a purely, uh, I guess, not entertainment, that's too loose of a word, not satisfactory, but like it's really juicy. Like it's really fun to be able to treat yourself as a subject in a world rather than just being um, constantly bombarded by everything. And I, I think there's a lot of value in being like, yeah. oh, this is why I do that. Okay. Whoa, crazy. Oh, I do remember that. Oh, that is nuts. Oh my God. I didn't know that. I haven't thought about it yet. So it's all really, um, good internal, internal work. Yeah. So yeah. So in a nutshell, don't settle for happiness. Go for your desire. Mm-hmm. That's the key. And then that parable I told at the beginning, uh, the interesting thing is it's a critique of the religious notion of God, but it's it's also a religious parable. So there's this really interesting thing of like this rejection of happiness, I think, is at the core of um, you find it as a secret core within the Jewish kind of faith and other mm-hmm. faiths and other whatever. But yes, don't settle for happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, embrace your unspeakable passion mm-hmm. in its contradictory form. Yeah. Oh, God, if you start getting too happy, God bless you. That's it. Yeah. All right. That's, that's us. Merry Christmas. Bye, guys. Merry yeah. Christmas.